0: Merry Christmas and Happy Almost New Year and welcome to the By Bomb Wrestling Podcast, a show that is for the fans, by the fans. I am your phenomenal host, Mr. Podcasting Chris Belcher. Thank you so much for spending your Christmas season with us, whether you're listening to us on a road trip or whether you're watching our smiling faces on YouTube. We can't thank you enough for doing that. Thank you so very much. Um, If you are Uh, Checking us out on social media. Make sure you're following us at PBW Podcast. I am at Chris Belcher24. My partner, Andy York, who is not going to be with us today, he is at Andy underscore PBWP. So make sure that you give him a follow. Why is Mr. Andy York not going to be with us today? Well, as we have teased for a very, very, very long time, today is finally the day where our fans get to listen to the world famous rant. That is Starcade 1997. Yes. We've been teeing it up for a long, long time. I'm sure you guys that are listening are like, I wonder what happens when Chris gets hot about Starcade 97 because we've talked about it. We've talked about it. We've talked about it. Well, I thought that this Christmas season, as well as Andy's birthday, would be the perfect time to gift you all with this wonderful present that I have. Now, this episode goes way back to season. Pre-season one of the Pipe Bomb Wrestling Podcast, we uh, originally, when this podcast started, uh, we were called the Music City Mania Podcast. And um, myself, it was myself, um, Jason Bakowitz, who you've heard me talk about on the show a lot. uh, He was heavily involved, as was the other voice that you're going to hear on the show today, my brother from another mother, Mr. Jared Justice, who you've seen sporadically on here from time to time. Um, He was also heavily involved and we were producing weekly shows just like we do now but we were under a different name we were still getting our feet wet it was still really it was still really something we were just um we were just doing just to see if we could do it you know uh Bruce Pritchard's podcast and the whole really the whole Conrad Thompson family podcast were really big at the time uh, so it was just the thing that we were really trying well now we've kind of crafted what we want to do and we're in a very good rhythm, um, and we've got a lot of great partners. So special thanks out there to the Bodyslam.net family, to the Sportswire Radio family, um, and all for all of you who continually listen and support our show, we would not be where we are without you guys. So back then, we were kind of the little engine that could. We still are uh, kind of going up the tracks there, uh, but we've got a little more momentum than we did back then, thus the rebranding. So Uh, That's a long backstory that you really didn't need, but all that to say, this is from a previous episode from the Music City Mania podcast where we debuted a segment called "The Fans Call Bullcrap," and that's a pretty good segment. Maybe Andy and I will bring that back in 2022. And if y'all like that segment, if y'all like that idea, basically what it is is, you know, a lot of um, promoters or wrestlers or what have you will tell stories about. Uh, what happened and they'll insinuate that this that and the other this is fact 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 and we call bull crap on that fact so that's what that segment really is all about well this started out as the fans called bull crap on eric bischoff and his explanation of starcade 97 and that just as you'll hear in this episode that just crawled all over jared Nye's skin um Bischoff had released an 83 weeks episode they were covering that Starcade 97 I had got to witness in person um, some debating between myself and some other fans with Eric Bischoff in 83 weeks live show in Nashville Tennessee um, so some of this some of what you're going to hear is from that experience as well some personal interaction that I heard directly from Eric Bischoff and that I'm still calling bull crap on so um hope you enjoy what you are about to hear. Um as we talk about Starking 97 and as we've talked about it previously on the show. It's it's always been said that I've been the one to get hot about it. I'm the one that gets fired up about it. Well, I hate to tell y'all, but Mr. Jared Justice gets pretty fired up on this episode too. Um, we get very, very animated, very um, I don't I don't know what the right word is. We just this is really our trigger. Well, this is really my trigger. And this just happened to trigger Jared the correct way on this day. So um, I know that I mentioned, uh, if you're following along in our previous episodes, as a matter of fact, please make sure that you are going back and checking out our archives, um, wherever you find your podcast, on Sportswire Radio and on the bodyslam.net YouTube channel. I mentioned that this show would not be on the YouTube channel Well, I changed my mind. So uh, there is no video component with this K 97 rant. So what you're going to see is just our logo and the audio will be over top of it. Um, so if you just want your audio, then just, you know, check, like I said, check this out on SportsWire, check this out wherever you find your podcast. But if you're here on the YouTube channel, thank you so much for doing that. If you want to just keep listening in your background, that's perfect. But there will not be a video component to this portion of the show. But I did want to come on here and intro this show, let you know what you're about to hear. 24 years tomorrow will be the anniversary of Stargate 1997, so we wanted to release this for you. Hope that you enjoy it. We'll see you on the other side. So, this week is the brainchild of Mr. Jared Justice here. Um, We are introducing a new segment this week.
1: I'm going to start calling myself the whole podcasting show.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's funny. I like it. So, brainchild of Jared's uh, is a new segment this week. This podcast is for the fans by the fans. We've said that from the beginning. We're just, you know, a couple of fans bringing you our perspective of this wrestling news. You know, we're we're all smart marks, and we read the dirt sheets and things like that, and we think we're smarter than Vince McMahon and, you know, all that. But in the end, we're just fans, and we have our opinions, and this is our platform to get those opinions out there. However, there are a lot of podcasts out there who – Basically, they'll they'll repeat things. Um, they'll tell stories. They'll tell things like they are fact. Now, some of those people are talking heads, like the Dave Meltzers of the world and the Wade Keller's, you know, things like that. Other people who share stories who were actually there, like an Eric Bischoff, like a Bruce Pritchard, like a Tony Schiavone, like a fill in the blank of your favorite podcast, Chris Jericho, Steve Austin, blah, blah, blah. Those guys tell stories like they are facts. So keep in mind of what Bruce Pritchard always says when he says, look, I'm telling you the story from my perspective. You know, this is the way it happened from my perspective. Okay, great. But we have developed a new segment on this podcast, and it is called... The fans call bullcrap.
1: Yes. And this one in particular, I wanted to call, we call bullcrap on Bischoff. So
0: Bullcrap on Eric Bischoff. That's who we're starting with this week. Now, if you've listened to our podcast for any length of time, you know that Jared and I, Jason as well, who cannot be with us this evening, were are all three big fans of 83 weeks with Eric Bischoff. I've seen them, a lot, uh, saw their live show in Nashville, got to meet Bischoff. He was very gracious, um, even busted my chops, which was hilarious. But um, we're all big fans of that show. Um, I think we even talked about the big Bret Hart episode that Bischoff did where he completely just took Bret to task and it was hilarious. But there are times when Bischoff will tell a story and Conrad will call him out. And there are times when you know Bruce Pritchard or whoever will tell a story and they'll get called out on it. So we decided to take some of that and expand it a little bit. This week is Eric Bischoff on this week's episode of Eighty Three Weeks. He and Conrad discuss what every single WCW fan has been waiting for Eric Bischoff to discuss, and that is Starcade nineteen ninety seven. The easiest finish on planet earth that was botched
1: i thought you were going to say something about who kimberly page was with backstage but you know i mean this works too
0: oh my (laughs) gosh (laughs) oh my lord
1: i do miss seeing kimberly page
0: well i mean you know um so this was this was your brainchild you called me today and you said hey i got an ideal Yes! (laughs)
1: Yes! <laughs> you worked it in. <laughs> of
0: course I did. <laughs> you called me today and said, Hey, I got an idea. We're going to crap on Bischoff. And I said, Okay. What What are we talking about? And you had listened to the Starcade episode before I did. And you are calling bullcrap on Bischoff and him defending the main event. So I'll let you pick it up from there. And... You start, start with your bull crap I'll fill in mine Now let's bear in mind I said just a few minutes ago That we're going to try to get to the current product And as Jared as you found out a few minutes ago When we were talking before we started recording I am very passionate About this subject Yes And this might go for a long time I was a little heated Whenever you called me a few minutes ago
1: Maybe we should start calling you the podcon instead of the icon. The you know, PogCon. you've got you've got you've got Shawn Michaels worked into there, which was also some of my brain children. Yes. That's uh, true. My brain sperms. Um oh, but, wow. uh, <laughs> but you know, we also know that you love Sting and AJ Styles. And yes. you've also worked AJ in. So, I mean, the PodCon, I'm gonna go ahead and vote for it. But um So, again, we all know here, people that listen to this show on a regular basis, you're usually the one that can provide structure uh, to any kind of situation, any kind of commentary, any kind of banter that I go on. So I'm just going to start and just I'm not going to give any kind of history lesson, but we look back and we remember Sting had not been in the ring. In quite some time, what was it? Uh, Six, a
0: year, or two years, sixteen months.
1: Okay, so, and this is where where it really starts. The the headache that ensued whenever I was listening to this show before I notified you. <laughs> but,
0: um.
1: So according to Sting and according to Bischoff, and Sting hasn't went. in, I guess a whole lot of detail on this particular time period but sting had some personal problems maybe some demons maybe some substances whatever those may or may not have been i personally don't know um but it seemed like he was kind of going through a dark time which is actually um it's kind of something that immediately triggered the thought of whenever that heath ledger was preparing for his role as the joker Mm -hmm. and whether that you want to say he was going through a hard time or he put himself through a hard time, the mindset this guy got himself in may have actually led to his demise when he committed suicide. Thank God that didn't happen to Sting. Absolutely. But, um, Bischoff is trying to say that Sting hadn't been in the ring whenever that he saw Sting, um, show up for the building, you know, show up to the building in preparation for this match that um, it was planned, of course, that um, Sting was going to go over clean. We all know how Hogan probably felt about that, so that's kind of one bullet point um, just to start out with. And so, so then they, they get started thinking, they get started talking amongst themselves, and they say that Sting doesn't really look like he's in the best of shape. Okay, that, that's false. That That's where I call bullcrap number one. This guy's guns were... Probably bigger, maybe not more ripped, but bigger than I remember seeing them.
0: So I went back, and, and let, let's stop right there on the, yeah. end, on the on the end shape. That's bullcrap number one. Um, I went back, and I looked at pictures, and I put them side by side of when he walked out of Fall Brawl, when he walked out of the cage, which was the last time he was in the ring before this. That was Fall Brawl 96. And I put that side by side to Starcade 97. And his arms are just a little bit bigger in 97, but they are more defined in 96. Right. So, okay. so, with Bischoff making his argument of Sting, you know, quit going to the gym or, you know, whatever, okay, maybe he lacks up a little bit from the gym, but he wasn't going to take a bump for 16 months.
1: And, and his waist. Um is still very thin. It's not like he came out here with like a beer gut. I mean right. he's still wearing tight clothes even though it's not like he's not going shirtless, but that wasn't what the character called for.
0: Right. He's he's in a bodysuit. I mean if he had a belly or, you know, whatever, it would have you know, you could have seen that through the bodysuit. So absolutely hundred percent I mean, maybe Sting wasn't in the shape he was sixteen months before that. But you can't say Sting was in worse shape than uh I don't know your champion.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um and and you know the thing the part that really irritated me the most just whenever that I'm listening to and again, part of this is, is Bischoff's character. Yes. You know, the the squirmy, slimy, sleazy little puke of a human that we all know as Eric Bischoff whenever we watched him on TV. Not Not saying who he is in real life, but he admits he, well, he he says he had more hate than anybody in the business. Maybe that's true. If not, he was definitely up there. Sure. But I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this and I'm starting to get irritated. And then it builds up and he has the audacity to say that Sting did not have a tan. (laughs) Didn't have a tan. You have Hulk Hogan whose skin looks like leather. From all of his, you know, the leather belt that he wore is only differentiated from his skin because the leather belt is colored black and white. Okay? So, yeah, yeah, he's, he's not, you know, he's not tan, you know. But I never saw Eric Bischoff being, you know, uh, the, the, the color of chocolate milk or whatever either or whatever they were striving for in their bronze and glory whenever they went to the tanning beds. Um, you know, so I, 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 it just really killed me, man.
0: So Bischoff, and when I saw him, when I saw their live show back in, uh, um, I guess that was in November at uh, Zaney's in Nashville, this got brought up, of course. And this was his defense there, too, was that Sting wasn't in good shape. He wasn't in the right frame of mind, which we'll talk about here in a minute, and that he wasn't tanned. And, you know, it's like he kept saying on the podcast that Sting wasn't prepared. Sting wasn't prepared. Well, if your definition of prepared is not having a tan, then how, how sleazy is that? I mean, are you only going to put the championship on Tan guys? Let's look for example. I mean, he talked about how all the guys in WWE keep up their tan and you know stuff like that. Well, I'll name you one who doesn't and that's their champion Brock Lesnar. I've never seen that guy tanned. Look at him.
1: Well, I mean, you even go back and as far as um, the way that men, which is the bulk of your audience, are looking at the individuals on TV, there was much more emphasis placed on the Nitro girls. Sure. Who was one sure. of the best looking nitro girls ever?
0: Uh Shawn Michaels wife.
1: Whisper, yes. Mm-hmm. She was not tan. No, she, and was she not. looked mag freaking. I
0: will go so, I will go as far as saying after she married Sean. And she did start tanning. She didn't look as good as when she wasn't tanning.
1: Yep, I would agree with that.
0: I mean, I'm not saying that tanning or not tanning is a bad thing. That's a whole other debate that's not even really worth having. The point here is, is that Bischoff and Hogan, and Conrad said it on the podcast, and so did Bischoff and at the live show that I saw them at, when they did the NWO reunion in Orlando and this got brought up, Hogan made the point that Sting wasn't tanned. It's like, come on. Why is that a big deal? I don't I don't understand why that's a requirement to be champion or why that is considered not being prepared to be champion.
1: And then they brought up, Bischoff did, pronouns pal, um, that why couldn't he at least get spray tanned? Okay, so... Look look at our current president who I, I think very highly of personally. The man looks orange. Okay? Mm. Do you want your do you want the person who's gonna be your champion to come out looking like a big cheesy poof, a Cheeto? Right. That's a possibility when you spray tan. Yep. So I mean my point being, Sting almost had like an undertaker a type of gimmick, which is why everybody wanted to see Sting versus the Undertaker. The Undertaker was, was not tanned.
0: Absolutely. It,
1: it, it, it added to his character. Sting was not going out on, on beaches and sunbathing right. with his crow paint on <laughs> whenever he's supposed to be, you know, this depressed individual that's sick of how the the, the path that WCW is taking since the NWO started to take over. Yeah. I mean, it, everything about his character, the way that he was presented physically to our eyes,
0: it made sense. 100% it did. It would not have made sense for Sting to have a tan for that match. He's been in the rafters, not wrestling, for 16 months. He's wore a trench coat for 16 months. Why on earth would you expect him to take off said trench coat and be tanned? It does not make any sense whatsoever.
1: So so now, I mean, we've kind of covered just the way that he looked um, to some extent. So I feel like that's the first Bull crap on Bischoff. Yes. But, but then, and this goes along with how he looked, but, you know, we had guys like Dusty Rhodes who was never in the best physical shape as far as appearance. Right. But this guy was in good physical shape as far as appearance. He looked to the part. He looked to the character. He acted the character. That dead look that he had in his eyes, mm-hmm. that was part of the character. 100%. I hate that he was depressed in real life, but he looked the part. Okay, so then... Moving on to my next point of bullcrap on Bischoff is <laughs> he moved around the ring like Shawn Michaels, yeah, like Sting, yeah, you know, uh, like AJ Dare I say, except for none of the flying moves, he was all over the place.
0: Yeah, he was. I mean, like he, a he <laughs> I mean, he was nailing drop kicks just like he normally would. He hit stinger splashes. Like he normally would. I mean, he was doing Sting stuff. He didn't do a big clothesline off the top rope or a big splash or whatever, but he was wrestling Hogan. He didn't need to. Well,
1: uh, arguably the best dropkick in the business that I've seen is Randy Orton. Well, Sting,
0: Ooh, I'll argue that one, but go ahead.
1: Sting, I think, is probably number two. Even at this point, at this match in 97, number two.
0: Mm, AJ Styles, number one.
1: Ah, yeah,
0: that, yeah. That drop kick is, yeah, that drop kick's better than anybody's. Yeah, I I don't
1: know. Uh, It'd be hard for me to make a call, but let's not get off on that tangent.
0: Sure, absolutely, that's a tangent on itself. So, yeah, you're exactly right. He moved in the (laughs) ring just like he needed to. What the fact is is that, okay, you say he's out of shape or whatever. Again, I defend that with, look at your champion. Look what Sting has to work with. Sting's only going to look as good as Hogan can make him look. He can't go flying around out there and doing Sting stuff when Hogan can't take three steps without his hip going out.
1: Yeah, and one thing I noticed too, and I don't know if this was a point that Bischoff was trying to make, but it was actually something that I liked, and I remember liking it at the time, is that whenever that Hulk picks him up for one of the rare moves that he can actually do, which is a body slam, and Sting goes down. He goes down almost like The Undertaker. It it's like, you know, you put him down and he's not doing his old Sting hop back up, grab the back. I mean, he he has the the look of almost like a like an intelligent zombie or something. Like you well- slam him down and it's like a it's like a mythical a mythical character a mythical creature that's what we were supposed to think sting kind of was
0: well not and not only that but to that point at the beginning of the match, Hogan's getting a couple of right hands in. If you notice when he's got him in the corner and he's chopping him and he's choking him or whatever, Sting has that stoic look on his face the whole time. And he's
1: selling like a million bucks.
0: He's selling like a million bucks, but you can't see it on his face. Like, you know how right. some guys will open their mouth or some guys will favor their face or whatever. Sting is not doing any of that, he, but hes you can tell that he's selling that's that character he is entrenched in that character if you didn't want him to be that character somebody should have said something
1: exactly I mean you can't go back or at least I I challenge anybody out there to go back and try to take a still picture of Sting whenever he's selling any of this and get one of those stupid gifts that we see where their mouth and their tongue you know, mouth wide open tongues hanging out Mm -hmm. some stupid look no he's stone faced killer man I mean, he just looks apart.
0: Absolutely. So we've talked about him, his looks. We've talked about him in the ring. Let's go a little deeper. We mentioned that Sting had some personal demons going on at the time. Um, Bischoff mentioned that. Sting has mentioned that. That, you know, he had some personal problems at home. He had some substance issues, that kind of thing. And that may have played into not only his character and his attitude of that, but the way he showed up that day. Bischoff said, and I quote, he doesn't look excited about this. He's only half there.
1: And, and just to add on to that, which is where I thought you were going to go, which you probably have as your next bullet point if I know you, but he says that Sting has thought all along that they're going to screw him over. And guess what? He shows up, they screw him over. They find a reason to screw this man over. So, exactly the point that Eric Bischoff made, that Sting knows that he's going to come back and get screwed over. He comes back, he gets screwed over. Doesn't get the clean win that he's told he would get, or at least led to believe, whatever the case may be.
0: Exactly, and and let's get to that. But let's stay on this personal issue for just a second, because yes, that is my next point. Here's what I think, and I want your opinion on this. Now Bischoff said on the podcast He said there are some personal things That I'm not going to share Um, He said I'm going to give details as best I can I give him credit for that That's fine Maybe some of this is in that That he can't share But our job is We're going to speculate it Correct me if I'm wrong But if you are in Eric Bischoff's shoes you're sitting there with Hogan And Sting comes in And he's got that look on his face Like the lights are on Nobody's home that's that's the way Eric described it at the live show. Is that Sting walked in, lights were on, nobody was home, kind of thing. And Eric, on this podcast, talked about how he had a deeper relationship with Sting more than just business. They hung out together, they went to each other's houses, they rode Harleys, yada, yada, yada. Wouldn't you, as a friend, because he said he and Hogan had the same reaction, was like, man, he's not into this at all. If you were really Sting's friend, not saying Eric didn't do this, but wouldn't you have noticed Sting being something being off? Wouldn't you have taken him aside and been like, dude, okay, all business aside, I'm here for you as a friend. What's going on? Let's get to the bottom of this. Rather than jumping to the conclusion, oh, he's not into it. We got to come up with something else. We got to screw him. Why don't you take 30 minutes, take him aside and say, hey. What's going on? What can I help you with? What will make this situation easier for you? Hello?
1: Well, and just to add on to that, I think that if I had been in that position, and, you know, again, this is not saying that we would not have messed things up in completely different ways than what Bischoff did because we're all human.
0: 100%. But I, think I
1: I feel like I would have handled the situation just knowing my personality and the way I've handled things in the past that if you take this guy aside and he seems like everything's fine or doesn't want your help or whatever the case may be, you say, okay, well, um, you know, let's just go down, uh, you know, meet us in the ring in 30 minutes and let's just have a a little trial run and let's make sure that you've still got it in you to do what we normally expect of Sting. And if the guy gets in there and performs and you have no reason to think that he's, you know, that he's high or intoxicated or something like that, then what does that have to do with anything?
0: Right. Absolutely. And one of the other points that, you know, that Bischoff made was he kept saying, you know, Sting wasn't in it, that he wasn't committed to where they were going. Well, my response is, did you ask him? Did you say, hey, Steve, are you committed to where we're going? And if he says yes, then why would you screw him? If he says he's committed and he says, oh, man, I'm, I'm having a really bad day. This happened at home or I don't have, you know, I don't have my pills that I normally have or whatever the case may be. Find those things out. Don't just jump to conclusions. Find, I mean, I mean. This is the biggest show WCW ever did. If you go back and you listen to this podcast with Conrad and Eric, Conrad rattles off these staggering numbers about how much they're up in revenue and how much they're up in attendance and merchandise and pay-per-view buys and blah, 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 blah. The numbers are staggering. If you know this is the biggest show ever, Wouldn't you try to dot every I, cross every T, and get to the bottom of all that?
1: Absolutely. And one thing, too, that I don't want to gloss over here. Um, We've all had problems in our personal lives that we um, try to not let affect our work. And I know, speaking from experience, that sometimes going to work and getting away from those problems is the only peace of mind you can get. It gets you out of that situation. It gets you away from whoever that um, is annoying you or causing you problems. Mm-hmm. And you are doing the thing that you love to do if you were lucky enough to have a job that you love, which I do. And which I think that Sting did and does or did up until he can't perform anymore. Right. So it just doesn't make sense to me if you're talking to this guy and, and, you know, he seems downtrodden to think for any reason that that's going to affect his business inside of the rink. And it even could make him better because he's happy to be there. His mind is clear. He's not worrying about the the real problems of the real world. Uh, And and, and I'm sitting here watching this match as we talk. And another thing just to add to the whole physical appearance and the way that he performed is I love how that whenever Hogan's trotting around, um, you know, looking at him or whatever, that Sting is turning and facing him at every point. Sting is a hundred percent committed here. I mean, it, he's he's not just standing over there in the corner like we've seen Jeff Hardy do um, during some of his problematic times. The man is completely focused.
0: Right, and not only not only completely focused. And you say you know he's looking this great in the ring. He hasn't been in the ring in sixteen months. There's probably a little bit of ring rust there. They gotta give him. They gotta give him. Cut him some slack, man. You exactly. know. So, so with all of these personal issues and whether or not Bischoff went to him, pulled him aside, and blah blah. You know, it just seemed like that he and Hogan were just dead set on screwing him over. It was the old. You know, Sting comes in. He doesn't look committed. Sting walks out of the room, and Hogan strokes his Fu Manchu, and he says, that doesn't work for me, brother. Yeah. That, that, like you said just a few minutes ago, Sting was afraid they were going to screw him. This is the easiest, most elementary finish in the history of wrestling. This is, and, and they screw it up.
1: We know that Eric Bischoff is seeing the, the seeing things the way that Hogan wants him to see them at this time. For one, his head is so far up Hogan's rear, he's seeing out Hogan's eyeballs. Um, so I just feel like you, you go back and look, and yeah, they're, they're friends. But if you follow Hogan and everything we've heard, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, maybe everything's not true. But this man looked out for himself. 100%. He was still at, like I guess, the second peak of his career, not physically, but he was Hollywood Hogan, brother, uh, the leader of the NWO. You can't convince me that he's ready just to turn over the reins to sting, uh-uh. that he's ready to, to let somebody else have that spotlight. He would have never been ready. He'd mm-hmm. still have the spotlight today if he could.
0: Exactly. No, you're exactly right, because he, gained, he regains the title after – you know, after Sting, he regains the title at least one, two, three, four more times than I can think of off the top of my head. Five times, actually, that I can think of. So Yeah,
1: and, and in my mind, I guess, too, I just see it like that Sting almost doesn't win, even though that's why it was so hard for me to remember looking back, is because this doesn't seem like a Sting victory because of the count. I mean, he, he lost. Via count out. I mean, via one, two, three count out. Yeah. Not count out outside the ring. Right. But that's what a lot of us see looking back, and I think that that was Hogan's goal. Yeah. yeah I beat him. In, I beat him clean. He has no beef. But then Bret Hart restarts the match, and he beats me after that because Bret Hart helped him. It took Bret Hart and Sting to beat Hulk Hogan.
0: Right, and they still didn't beat him because ten days later, Sting is stripped of the championship. Right. So, before we move on to that, you mentioned the count. So, let's talk about the count. In the On the podcast, Conrad references that Nick Patrick has said over the years that when he was told about the finish, that the boss of WCW told him that it was going to be a fast count. He needed a fast count, Sting down, and that Sting was still supposed to kick out. So, the boss told him to count, fast count. He said, and then the real boss of WCW came to him and said to count normal. Now, fill in your own opinions there. But my best opinion is that Eric Bischoff is the one that relayed the fast count. Hulk Hogan is the one that wanted the normal count, like you just insinuated a minute ago.
1: Well, here here's my question and it just hit it just hit me. Okay, so if we're sting, was he told to lay there and take a three count no matter what? Because if supposedly he was supposed to kick out on the fast count, then but he lays there for the full three count, the man's completely lucid, he's completely focused. Don't you think at some point he was told by somebody, you're getting three count? You're getting the one, two, three. You do not kick out.
0: I mean, if you look, Bischoff said that Sting was supposed to kick out. No, he wasn't. Because if you watch that pin, Sting made no effort to kick out whatsoever.
1: Yeah, so something's not right there.
0: So Bischoff says that it was a miscommunication and Nick Patrick got the wrong information. Okay, again. I go back and I say, this is the biggest pay-per-view of the year. You're in charge. Bischoff said that he didn't get involved in the particulars in the match because that wasn't what he was good at. Bullcrap. If this is the biggest show of the year, you are going to that meeting and you're saying, okay, what's the final details? Everybody's on the same page. We're doing a fast count or we're not doing a fast count. You're having that meeting and everybody's on the same page. You have to. If you run a company, you run a business, this is the biggest show of the year, you have to know exactly what's going on. You can't just meet with the referee after and say, what was that? The referee said it was a miscommunication. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. No big deal. That makes zero sense. None whatsoever.
1: Yeah. And, and I just think it's hard. I think it would be hard for Bischoff to stand with somebody and argue again as to why Sting took the 4-3 count that was a normal 3 count if he wasn't told by somebody to take a 3 count exactly so i just it this doesn't make sense the way that, that Bischoff is playing this out I, I that so that that makes me lose faith as to what credibility we can truly give him to any of this story
0: Right. Well, I and I do think that I do think he's covering up for Hogan for a lot of it. I really do. And I think he doesn't want to go public and rat Hogan out. I get that. That's fine. That's your buddy, whatever. But don't don't come up with all of these things that you have come up with. Say their gospel, say their truth and just leave it at that. You can't say this is absolutely true but it's contingent on this it's contingent on Hogan, it's this it's that, you know I I just you can't tell me half, the, it's like Dave Meltzer reporting something and telling me that it's absolutely 100% true when Mabel wasn't even the third man, wasn't even considered for the third man it's ridiculous it, it, it just don't even tell the story if The whole reason behind it is Hogan, and you're not going to tell me it's Hogan.
1: Well, there's so many times that we can all relate to because maybe some of us have been either guy in, in this story, but I think we've all at least been one of the two, if not both guys at some point. How many times throughout your life have you seen a situation where that one man thinks another man is above him, beyond him? And the man who is looked at as being above him or beyond him starts hanging out with the guy who thinks that he's below him and may be below him as far as whatever kind of social ranking you want to put on this. Right. And the the yes man, the the smaller guy of the two, socially speaking, not stature or anything like that, goes along with everything the other one says because it makes him feel like he's cool. It makes him feel like that the other guy brings him up and everybody else's eyes to his level. We've all seen that a million times. And I think that anybody out there who can honestly look theirself in the mirror and say without laughing or without looking away because you just can't lie to yourself. Right. I mean, I wouldn't think you could. But to say that wasn't the situation here and that Eric Bischoff didn't have somewhat of a bromance with Hulk Hogan and just absolutely love him and, you know, sit down at his feet and maybe even, you know, bow down and worship just like you did whenever he came out on stage, then I, I think you're lying. I think you're lying to yourself. I think you're lying to whoever's listening.
0: Oh, 100%. And it goes to show that after this, after WCW goes under, who shows up in TNA together and tries to push TNA? Oh, Hogan and Bischoff together. I mean, it's... I'm, I'm fine with them being friends. I'm fine with them being business partners. I'm fine with whatever. It's not, that's not the point. The point is, is that, I mean, he's not going to rat his friend out. So don't talk about it at all. You know, that needs to be, you know, there are some things that Bruce Pritchard has said or that Conrad said that Bruce is just not going to talk about. You know, we know that he's not going to talk bad about Vince, or I'm sure there are certain stories that he will not tell about Vince, or about Hunter, or about Stephanie, or yada, yada, yada. So maybe this should be something that Bischoff should just say, I'm not going to talk about that. There there were personal things that happened, and until those parties bring that information to light, I'm not going to talk about it. Maybe that's the way he should handle it.
1: Here's just a theory that I'm going to float, just as I'm watching this back, something I never thought of and. Maybe it got brought up toward the end of the podcast because I got so pissed that I quit listening. (laughs) Uh, I wonder if this thing was pitched to Sting. Okay, so Hogan is going to break the rules. He's going to go outside. He's going to get your ball bat, and he's going to smack you on the back with it. Now, you're not going to go unconscious, whatever sense that makes. But we're going to put you back in the ring, and we're going to count you one, two, three. Then we're going to have Bret Hart, for that reason, stop the timekeeper. You're going to put him in the Scorpion Death Lock, and then he's going to submit. That's the only way that this makes sense. But the thing is, is they didn't lay it out like this, to my memory at the time. Nope. They didn't say, okay, so looking back at last night, ladies and gentlemen, it was the biggest night in sports entertainment history. Um, Sting was screwed by Hulk Hogan because he was hit with an illegal object his black baseball bat was then tossed back in the ring, pinned one, two, three. But thank God Bret Hart was there to save the day. It was not pitched like that. No, it, it was just left alone to think. Okay, so Hogan beat him. Bret helped him cheat, mm-hmm. and then then Hogan taps out, right. or submits, or whatever it was. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I just I just wonder if that wasn't the way this thing was pitched, but never played out, which. I could completely believe, based on everything I've heard about WCW, Nick Bischoff, and Hulk Hogan back at this time.
0: Right. Well, the way that the announcers took it after that was that it was a fast count. That that, that Patrick tried to screw him over again, and that Bret Hart stopped them, and, and Sting ultimately wins the championship. Blah, 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 blah. It just... It goes back to the fact, like you just said, it shows what kind of atmosphere and what kind of company WCW was and how it was being run you get again I can't stress this enough the easiest most elementary storyline finish in the history of wrestling and you find a way to screw it up I don't understand it so in the end Sting gets the championship like we said the match gets restarted Sting gets the championship and then the next night on Nitro they decide they're going to have a rematch. And then I think the way it went down, I think Sting has him in the Scorpion Deathlock and the show goes off the air. You don't see a finish. Fans are irate. They're upset. The very next week is the premiere episode of WCW Thunder. On that episode, they bring Sting and Hogan out because there's controversy, blah, blah, blah. JJ Dillon strips Sting of the championship. And they have a one-on-one match, Sting and Hogan, as Super Brawl, for the vacant championship. And Sting wins there. Sting holds the title for two months. He loses the title to Randy Savage, who then loses the title to Hulk Hogan the very next night on Nitro. If you can't tell me that Hulk Hogan's hands were all over this, finding a way for him to get the championship back. You cannot tell me that wasn't the case in this situation.
1: Yeah, I just there's just, there's just too much stuff, man. That 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 just reeks of well, you know, I love a good conspiracy theory. Sure. When you, when you look back at this, and there's no way that somebody can look at these this series of events. And not think there was a conspiracy theory to yeah we're gonna we're gonna give the fans we're gonna give them some of what they want because we've spent over a friggin' year on this thing but uh, Sting's not gonna win the right way that makes him look good originally and then well we'll cut the show off so you know maybe the building sees what happens but nobody outside of the building sees what happens and you know maybe we'll finally give him the win. But then we're just going to take it back off of him, you know, and we're t- Hogan gets the title back the same way he always did, which mm-hmm. is part of the reason why I think this company failed.
0: Oh, 100%. No, you're absolutely right. They, I mean, it was fine for Hogan to have the title in 94, 95, blah, blah. That's fine when he first comes in. That's great. But when he drops the title and then he goes away and then he turns to NWO, okay, yes, he needs the title, but then you need the baby face to chase him. Sting chased him for 16 months. Sting gets the championship. Your babyface needs to have the championship for a little while. You can't just have it for two months under controversy and then drop it back to Hogan. Now, I get we're going to Goldberg in that summer. I understand that. But you can't tell me that in April, Goldberg wins the title four months later. You can't tell me that you put the title on Hogan so he can have it for four months for Goldberg to win it. Or, you know, however that happened.
1: What was the um, what was uh, the pay per view after that that you just said that they fought again after the the thunder or whatever super brawl? Okay, I'm trying to find that here. Was it? I guess it was Super Brawl '98. Is yep. that right?
0: Yep, '98.
1: Yep, uh, okay, I was just wanting to to kind of before we wrapped it up. I'm sure you probably got another point or two of knowing course. you again, like I do. But I want to I want to watch this finish right quick, and then I'm going to give you a little bit more of my mind but oh
0: it's uh it's a, absolutely it's a it's not a clean finish either <clears throat> so you know there's a, clu- that,
1: a cluster muck if you will
0: it, it is definitely a cluster that's for sure so I here here's what I don't understand the, again this finish is easy the the original plan was for sting to win clean had the fans go home happy what I don't understand is why you had to change the finish to begin with. If you decide that at the end of the night, all is going to be right and Sting's going to win the championship, why do you need to change the finish? I don't understand that. Well, I mean, I, I get that. Oh, okay, Sting's not committed. You still put the title on him. Just don't put the title on him at all. I don't, yep. I don't, I don't get it. Why?
1: I agree, uh, and, and and I just don't know. And here here we are. I'm actually watching the finish right now, and Sting has hit uh, I guess Nick Patrick in the face when Hogan was trying for a backdrop. Yep. Here, of course, comes all the cronies, the NWO. There's Savage. Just did something with Hogan. I don't know what. I mean. This is just outrageous.
0: Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it just it goes it goes back to. It just goes back to what you said earlier about what was going on backstage and how this company was being run. I don't understand why this was – just have a clean finish. If Bischoff kept making the point on the podcast about how Hogan was getting paid the same no matter what, okay, we'll get beat then. If you know you're going to get the title back in a couple of months, just get beat and drop it.
1: And and just you know, I knew I would get another good point at least out of watching the ending uh, right quick as we kept talking. But you go on to, to look here at Super Brawl. Whenever that Sting beats him again, of course, not without another cluster muck, if yep. you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but look how ripped his arms and and his his gut and his chest look. Them well, there was no gut, his belly. Right, uh, he was ripped. Yep. So that right there shows that if Bischoff thought that he wasn't dedicated. Well, you're dead wrong because this guy is backing awesome, phenomenal shape, and then there lays Hogan with his barrel chest and his leather skin and his skulllet. Well, right the, in the middle of the rank. The point
0: that Bischoff tried to make was when Conrad would ask him why Sting got the title back in Super Bowl was they were trying to make chicken salad out of the chicken crap that they had left. They were trying to. To capture some of the momentum that they had left well number one you wouldn't have to worry about that if you had just done the finish correctly the first time number two you're going to put the title on him oh great well what changed in those two months between december and february that caused you to put the title on him and if it got better and it gave you the confidence to put the title on him why did you take it off of him two months later
1: Yeah, and another interesting point here, just looking back. Hogan's laying in the center of the ring, just like I mentioned, all of his wonderful attributes physically that they put down Sting and his physical attributes. You can look at Hogan's legs here. His feet are both turned out. Okay, now, to most of you, this may not really be much of a point or whatever. But to me, this right here screams that's a sign of bad hips yep so even back in i guess this was 98 or whatever where yep. we're at now um hogan's hips were bad then so you've got a guy who's broke down whose skin looks like leather who has a skulllet, um who can barely move around the ring who rarely leaves his feet who doesn't go to the top rope who sure as heck doesn't jump and he's got bad hips and they have the audacity Be putting Sting down. Who now, if he didn't look like a million bucks before, sure looks like it now.
0: Yep. So maybe that, maybe that's what changed in those two months. Maybe now Sting looks like a million bucks, and they decided to put the title on him. But that still does not. That still tells me nothing about why they took the title from him two months later. I don't understand. He had the title defense against Scott Hall at Uncensored, and then he defended against Randy Savage at Spring Stampede. And he lost because Kevin Nash came out and interfered and jackknifed him. Yes, he loses on a non-clean finish. I get that WCW was full of SMA's finishes for three years. I get that. I'm not arguing that. The point I'm arguing is Sting's the guy. You spent 16 months building Sting as the hero and you don't go with him and you say it's because of his personal problems or that he wasn't committed to where he was going, again, the fans call bull crap because that's ridiculous.
1: And, again, you look back, too, at this time, um, and, and I feel like it's more visible for whatever reason. I can't even really explain it, but it's, it seems like it's more visible in the WWF at this time. But look at all the guys who had personal problems, man. Yeah. And, and and they strapped the rocket to all these people. And, and you go here, and a guy who that... If you remember, whenever that me and you were talking, I was shocked whenever I found out that Sting at one point had some substance issues Yeah, because he didn't appear that way. Yeah. But you have so many guys that do, and they still put the titles on them, WWF and WCW. So, again, another invalid argument absolutely given to us by bitch off that's Ab- what he is a eyes.
0: and you you look you look at sting and you look yeah maybe he had personal problems and this and that and the other but he was still there he still showed up he was loyal to WCW from the time that Jim Crockett bought the Watts territory up until the night that the doors closed in 2001 sting went nowhere he was the only guy in the company that didn't go anywhere. Yet you can't put the title on him. And at a time where Hulk Hogan is in the company, you can't put the title on Sting and have Sting be the face of the company. You know, Bischoff talked a lot about how they had a plan where the NWO was going to take over Nitro on Mondays and WCW was going to take over Thunder on Thursdays. And that was going to start whenever, you know, Thunder launched the beginning of 98. Put the title on Sting and let Sting run, run that show. Why is that so difficult? I don't understand that. I don't know. In the time that Hogan got to WCW in 1994, yeah, it was July of 94, Bash of the Beach was his first pay review. Sting did not have the championship one time between 94 up until this point. Then he has the title here. He loses it. And, or he gets it stripped, wins it back, loses it two months later. Then he doesn't get the championship again until 1999 when he beat Diamond Dallas Page. Do you want to know how long he had the championship that time when he beat Diamond Dallas Page? I'll tell you, it was a matter of about an hour and a half, and he dropped it in a fatal four-way later that night. Do you know when the next time he had the championship was? He beat Hulk Hogan at Fall Brawl on guess what? A SMAs controversial finish. After that happens, then they have the whole issue with Goldberg and Halloween Havoc going off the air and blah 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 blah. And then Sting gets stripped of the championship, and they have a tournament, and that's it. The point I'm trying to make is not that Sting needs to be champion all the time. It's that Sting was loyal to this company, and he was there when Hulk Hogan decided he wanted to go home and sit on the beach for a week because he didn't feel like coming to TV, but he still needed to get paid. Sting was there. So why can't you back the guy that's there?
1: Yeah, And, and, and again, this, okay... And I'm going to say this, and this is in no way, shape, or form Chris's opinion. This is completely my opinion. And it's my opinion based on the Eric Bischoff that I saw on TV, which made me not like him, which was the point. But now that he goes on about Dave Meltzer for trying to spew some of the same garbage that it seems like Eric is spewing, I'm going to call him Bitch Off because he bitches about Dave Meltzer doing the same thing that he does. Same thing, same thing.
0: I respect a lot of Bischoff's opinions. I really do enjoy the eighty-three weeks podcast.
1: I oh, think- I love the show, and I think me and Eric Bischoff would probably get along great if we hung out just as buddies. But I'm just saying, based on how mad it makes me, some of this crap that he tries to pull because I think he's not. Because I think he's trying to cover for his buddy Hogan, which is fine. I would rather him come out and say it. It just say, you know, hey, I'm I'm biased, which he has a few times, but. He needs to put it in there more before he goes on something like this. Um, but yeah, just just but everything it just it just makes me mad.
0: But go ahead. No, no, absolutely, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. Yeah, I wish he would have you know come out and said, look, you know this is this is something I'm not going to talk about because there's too many personal issues involved and and stuff like that. And and you know he doesn't have to say that he's biased to Hogan because everybody knows that he's biased to Hogan. It's it it's obvious. That he's biased to Hogan. But at the same time, it's like, dude, don't, again, like Meltzer, who you crap all over, don't give us a story that you say is 100% fact when it has bull crap written all over it.
1: All of yeah. it. And, and I just, I just, there just needs to be some kind of disclaimer on that show. And I love the show. I love all of Conrad's shows. I love his guests that he does them with. Um, you've heard me speak my mind about Bruce before. Not that Bruce would ever care. Um, not that I'm anything to anybody. I mean, we all like Bruce. We all feel like we know Bruce. We all respect Bruce. Um, same thing with Bischoff, and same same thing with Tony. But uh, it just there needs to be some kind of disclaimer on this show that when it comes to Kevin Nash or Hulk Hogan, we're going to get half truths, and the story is going to be skewed, and it's not going to be a hundred percent fact. At least from what we as the fans can tell and the way that we see things maybe all this is true. We weren't there. I wasn't there. I was very young at this time. I was like, what six uh thirteen years old, fourteen years old,
0: yeah, something yeah. like that yep
1: so uh, i am just giving my opinion based on, on on the way i on the way I see things, and so it just like I said, it goes back to whenever I first suggested this idea. It aggravates me it pisses me off and I'm glad that we got to speak our mind and give what we feel like is our is our view on it
0: oh I'm hot about it that's for sure I'm hot about it um, the one of the interesting things that Conrad also brought up on the podcast and all of speaking of all speaking of Conrad, all of you folks who are listening to this podcast, in case you're wondering, Conrad's on our side on this. So if you go back and you listen to this 83 Weeks episode, which we highly encourage you to do, um, you will hear a lot of these same arguments because exactly everything that Conrad said I was in my head and I would have said the same thing to Bischoff. So glad Conrad's on our side. But one of the things that he brought up... On that show was during the 15, 16 months that Sting didn't take a bump. When he sat up in the rafters, when he appeared, you know, once every other week or whatever, who knows what he was going to do. Sting became the second highest merchandise seller in the wrestling business, not WCW, the wrestling business behind Stone Cold Steve Austin. You have, a, he I mean, he surpassed the NWO. He was selling more merch by, I think, 200 shirts on pay-per-views that he wasn't even on, yet he was outselling the NWO. He's right behind Austin as far as merch sales goes, and you still can't put the title on him? You can't, quote, depend on him to be your champion? You don't think he's all there, yet he's selling all this merch? It's what the fans want give him the title if you have a problem with it if he proves that he has a problem or he proves that you can't trust him then okay beat him take the title off of him but you have the easiest finish in the business why not do it why do you have to have all this controversy in the middle of it give him the freaking title
1: yeah, I, I don't see how it would have hurt Hogan at all to have just dropped it to him clean, give Sting a chance, and then if he messes up, just like what you said, put it back on old old tried and true, old glory, the Hulkster brother, and and then go go from there. You know? It it's the same thing and I think that I think I've actually heard Bischoff talk this way about the current product and about the way things are now. Maybe he hasn't, maybe I'm wrong on this, but so just, you know, take it for a grain of salt. But it seems to me like he's actually said things before about like how overscripted things are and how certain people don't get chances. They stick with the same thing. They want like, for example, this is me giving an example with Becky Lynch. Um, it's like they 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 got Charlotte here and the the fans are behind Becky but we don't know maybe maybe she can't handle it maybe she can you give him the chance sting's been world champion before he's proved that he could handle it so i just it just it's just it's just garbage
0: it really is it absolutely is and and like i said i've really enjoyed the 83 weeks podcast you've really enjoyed the 83 weeks podcast this has been the first real time that I've listened to a show and I've gotten hot about it and I've gotten really aggravated and I'm calling bullcrap. It's bullcrap excuses. It's one right after the other. It just seems like that Bischoff and Hogan sat down in a room and they said, well, you know what? It's like Hogan woke up that day. Well, I'm not really willing to give the title to Sting like I indicated that I would. Um, I know that's what the fans want, uh, but let's let's hit him with some uh, with some interference and some run ins and some controversy. And I just don't feel like putting the title on him. So let's come up with a list of reasons why, and then we'll tell him. You know, these reasons, this is what we're going to do. And eventually you'll get the title, but then we're not going to tell him. We're going to strip him 10 days later. It honestly, it seems like that he and Bischoff sat down and said, okay, here's our game plan. Here's our excuses. This is why we're not going to do it. And that's what we have. You know?
1: Yeah, I, I think they tried to, they went from something great, a steak dinner, if you will. And then they decided, well, let's just go ahead and serve him a turd sandwich and But in order to serve him this turd sandwich, let's try to polish up the old turd and sell sting on it. And I think that's what we got.
0: Yep. I 100% agree with you. That's exactly what we got. Thus screwing up the easiest finish in the history of wrestling. One of the best stories ever in wrestling. One of the best builds ever in wrestling and WCW found a way to screw it up. Is this not, as we kind of get ready to wrap up this segment, add anything else you want to add you know, about this, but I want to ask you this before we kind of move on. Is Starcade 1997, is that the beginning of the end of WCW?
1: 100%.
0: I completely agree. There's no doubt about it. 100%. This has to be the beginning of the end if you if you get served this on a silver platter and you can't execute, you don't deserve to be in business. I'm sorry. You just don't.
1: Well, I have sit here, and so I'm going to ask you a question now because I feel like you normally get to ask me all the questions. And I've got three instances in mind. Okay. What other buildups could you say even came close? You know, in modern day, I'm not talking about back before WrestleMania 1. I'm talking about... What other big-time, big-feel matches have had this kind of build-up?
0: Are you talking about currently, over the last couple of years, or...? I'm
1: I'm talking about just whatever pops in your mind, whatever you can think of, because I'm sure that with current product, you can't think of that many because they get right in to the match so fast that there's not much build-up. But, I mean, if you feel like something current lives up to it, then by all means, share. I'm just... I'm just curious to see if you think of the same ones I do.
0: I think one of the most current ones that you can think of is Roxena. They built that for a year. And some would say it didn't turn out the way that it should have. Um, I would say Savage Hogan from WrestleMania Five was an incredible build. Um... Those are the two that are kind of off the top of my head that I'm thinking of. I mean, I could be biased and say every Shawn Michaels feud there is, was, and ever will be, but, you know. Well. What were the ones you were thinking of?
1: Okay. So, one is an actual match that they built, to, which was Hogan and Andre. Okay. WrestleMania 3. Yep. Um, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, WrestleMania 12.
0: Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. Yep.
1: And then I think the only other ones that come to mind really didn't, there was no exact match that it was supposed to culminate in. It was just the build that they took their time and got to was building up um, the ringmaster, turning him into Stone Cold Steve Austin and giving him, him the title. Then the other one was actually in WCW with Goldberg. You build him up. I, I'm, I'm sure that probably, if Hogan's alive and well, brother, that it was probably Hogan he was building up to all the time. But they actually took their time and built this thing, and and they actually did manage to pay that one off right. So, but those are the main. I mean, the four four other times, two of which were actual matches. I mean, that's that's about all I can think of that have had this kind of build up, and I don't think that they ruined any of the other ones.
0: No but they somehow found a way to screw this one up. Exactly. Because I would argue that even though that build for Shawn Michaels culminated in his first championship in a 7-month run as the WWF champion, um I would argue, you know, you've got Hogan Andre passing the torch to Hogan in the Silverdome. Um and then you've got you've got all of those builds, you've got all of those matches. I would still argue though that Sting and Hogan is bigger than all of them. Ah And the reason that I would argue that is because you see Hulk Hogan turn heel for the first time. It turns the wrestling world on its head. and you get this hostile takeover with this NWO. What you know, when people see that, they're thinking, what are we gonna do? What's going to happen? And then Sting turns his back on WCW. Will he join the NWO? Then for 15 months, you've got Sting just hanging out there, just waiting. And then he finally, you know, shows who he's aligned with. And then he finally gets his match with Hogan. It's the culmination of the NWO versus the WCW. And they screw it up
1: yeah i I won't go into i think i could make arguments for the other ones but um i'm I'm not even going to go i'm not even going to attempt that i think i think the basis of the story here is just that they built this thing up for one match for one night and this happens And, and in that case building a match in particular up between two individuals between two wrestlers Um, I'm trying to get myself out of the habit of calling them superstars, which is what Vincent Mann loves. Ah, yes! But um, I think as far as the build for a particular match, a one-on-one match, nothing. Nothing compares to this.
0: Nope. I completely agree. Man, anything else you need to add before we kind of put a bow on this week's episode?
1: Man, I feel like a weight has been lifted off my chest after I got to really just... Tell the world or a few hundred people um, exactly how I felt about that episode with Eric Bischoff. And, And, you know, he had thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that listened to that that are probably just as upset as what we are. And if they could only find our podcast and listen to us just vent, I think I think they would feel justified and they would feel better about themselves, too. But saying all that to say. No, I have nothing else to say.
0: I feel good, man. All I can say is, wow. Um, That's the second time I've listened to that today. Um, And again, I just, I can't talk about it because I'm going to get angry. You see that I'm wearing my sting shirt. You know where my support lies. It just, and if you just listen to that, you know where my support lies. And and that stance doesn't change to this very day. Um, I'll get hot just sitting here talking about it. We don't need to, we don't need to do that. Um, we hope that you enjoyed this special treat that we just gave you the star K 97 rant. It'll probably get recreated at some point because somebody's going to push my buttons. Um, but there it is in its entirety. The first incarnation of the star K 97 rant, uh, that came from a previous episode of our podcast under the music city mania banner. Um, so man, I hope y'all enjoyed it. Um, give us your feedback shoot us some comments on social media we're at pbw podcast on facebook twitter and instagram i'm at chris belcher 24 andy is at andy underscore pbwp thanks very much to my brother from another mother jared justice for uh, retroactively joining us on today's episode we hope to get him back on the show on a regular basis Um, but that was a lot of fun hope you guys enjoyed this very special edition of the pipe bomb wrestling podcast make sure you tune in this wednesday andy will be returning he and i will be back with our current content we'll be talking about all things wwe day one hope you enjoyed last week's debate with trent osborne from pwi 500 i hope you also enjoyed our year interview 2021 uh, what a fun two episodes those were so make sure you check those out if you haven't already Again, thank you for checking out the Bomb Wrestling Podcast. My name is Chris Belcher. We will catch you guys down the road.